0: are listening to the Barbara May Show, the place where we discuss all that really matters. We will cover all you need to know about lifestyle, health, spirituality and plus so much more. Are you ready? Let's dive in. You are listening to episode 17 with Dr. Vera Terman. Dr. Vera Terman is a medical addictionist specialist and medical director of Renaissance an inpatient drug and alcohol treatment centre in Canada, as well as the author of Food Junkies, Recovery from Food Addiction. In this episode, we will talk about addictions, mainly sugar addiction, and how to overcome it. I am so honoured to have Dr. Tarman on my podcast and share her knowledge through this episode, and I really hope that this episode will make a change. Let's dive in. Welcome, Vera. Thank you very much for coming on my podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. My first question for you is, what are you grateful for?
1: Oh, my gosh. I should have thought about that. Um, Well, I'm grateful that I'm in a position where you are interested in hearing what I have to say. I'm grateful that I'm a clinician, that, uh, I mean, I can say some things that a lot of people think, but just by virtue of being a a physician, people are more inclined to listen to me. And I'm really grateful I'm in that position because I want this message to be heard
0: absolutely I'm so grateful before we dive in I just want to tell you that I'm so grateful for your book Food Junkie oh, thank you. um after I read the book I just was amazed because I have realized that I have addictions oh. and um I enjoyed it so much and exactly what you said I think is very important to get this message out there
1: yeah you know like uh, when you said that it made me think that you know, you have addictions, and and uh, there's such a stigma around that word. And I've had many people say, how can you know, why would you add the word stigma, or, or another word, another label like addiction to somebody who might already be suffering from obesity, or might be suffering from diabetes? Like, why do you want to add another thing to it? And I think that as long as we're afraid of that word, we're, we're going to miss the boat of all the tools and all the um, I mean, there's so much self-loathing that goes with that. And and if we actually recognize what addiction is, what food addiction is, then um, there's much less self-loathing. Once you get over this word addiction and actually recognize that pretty much everybody in 2021 is addicted to something. And if they're not, it's because they're doing all the self-care stuff that we preach about. Um, but not that, not that many people actually do it until they know that they have to because they've discovered they're addicted. So yeah, good. I'm, I'm glad that you're willing to use that word.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with you. You know, I was going through when I was reading a book, I was going through my addictions in the past. And I was thinking I used to be addicted to drugs. I used to be addicted to coffee. I used to huh. be, well, I'm actually still addicted to coffee. I used to be addicted to smoking. I used to be addicted to um, sugar, um, fat, which I am still um, <laughs> as well. And, um, and it just makes you think like, what what can we do about addiction how can we move forward how do we understand the brain how do we understand is addiction like exactly what you said in the book is addiction a choice or is a disease you're talking about um serotonin a lot dopamine and endorphin so i'll let you to explain it a little bit later on a podcast but what i wanted to understand is that all those chemicals how do we balance it where do we go from there how do we overcome addictions
1: well, you know, the, the the first thing is just to embrace that word and and the, that world. Maybe that's a better way to say it, that whole world, and uh, just embrace the uh, whole concept of it, because it then invites recovery solutions that otherwise we wouldn't have. We would just say, just stop and use willpower, and the willpower doesn't work. Uh, so, you know, if we can um, acknowledge that, Anybody and everybody has the potential to become addicted because we're just human animals living in an environment that is very obesophilic, like so much is out there that can snare us. And it's so easy to stumble from one to another to another. And if we just acknowledge that that happens and then understand how, like I said, the self-loathing goes and then the tools go. And your podcast, your uh, invitation for me to look at this from a spiritual angle is really thrilling for me because, uh, I always think that the, you know, we say the opposite of addiction is connection. I don't know if you've heard that term, but it's a very common one. I personally think it's more than that. The opposite of addiction is a spiritual connection. It's, it's the, the the, being addicted to something is trying to fill a hole because we don't have something spiritual to work with. And we're living in a very uh, agnostic, um, Almost anti-religious, or, or I don't say anti-religious, but but you know, uh, I don't need religion. That kind of attitude, and I just think that that's not doing us well. Because I always think when I see patients that are seeking help, that yes, it's good to know about the neurochemistry, which we can talk about, but over the long term, in terms of the cure or the not cure but management, we're going to have to rely on uh, a higher power or something spiritual to sustain it. So that's, it. That I, I just love that, that we're already starting with that premise here in this talk.
0: Absolutely. And also something we have mentioned before is that um, the community, community is important. Yes. So yeah. if we want to get out of addiction in, and it doesn't matter what type of addiction it is, we can't yes. do it alone
1: and we need the community. Yeah. Yeah, and so we can look at the, the the small picture, which is I'm eating too much sugar, or I'm I'm uh, drinking too much alcohol, or even coffee or work. But you know, if we just look at that and understand that and stop that, okay. Uh, as a clinician, and um, I don't know if you're actually working with people one on one, but um, uh, in in the uh, sort of primary model of treatment you know we can work with some of that but the larger picture how do you live now thrive happy you need to have all these other things in place like community and and like i said higher power and all that stuff and you know we could just talk about how covid for example is just eroding away that whole secondary larger picture you know as we're more and more isolated Absolutely. Completely agree with you. Also, I
0: think when it comes to addiction, whatever addiction it is, there is something more is missing in life. Yes. Right? Do you agree?
1: Yes. Ab- yes, that's it. That's it exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and we can stick with the, well, I'll be missing my cigarettes or I'll be missing my booze or my sugar, but it's, it, it's really much larger than that because we picked up those things in the first place. I never
0: we, I never thought I was addict until, um, like, I just thought that I have overcome my addictions after reading your book i have realized that i am an addict because uh-huh. i have just swapped addiction for addiction
1: yes so yeah. um
0: when i said about the drugs then i said about the smoking and then i said mm-hmm. about coffee obviously coffee is still my <laughs> yeah there you go cheers <laughs> yeah. Um, coffee is still my main addiction
1: yeah but
0: um and then i swap it i swap cigarettes for sugar yeah, and and I see this everywhere. So many people around me, and yeah. then also the alcoholism, right? So alcohol contains sugar, so that is a kind of a sugar addiction.
1: Well, I can say, you know, yeah, alcohol um, uh, addiction is a, a spiritual dilemma, but right, right right from the beginning, it's actually a neurochemical d- dilemma. First, so we could like you want to unpack that first it's just that that's not enough but that is the beginning because that will help a person understand why this is happening you know and so many people say i i should stop i know i should stop i'm going to get cancer i'm going to get diabetes whatever it is uh, and i can't stop and there's a reason why you can't stop and it's because the uh um the circuitry the brain circuitry in the brain which includes dopamine and serotonin and endorphins has been rewired re um adapted, neuro adapted to a toxic environment, you know, so dopamine, for example, is our neurochemical of uh, excitement and thrill and oh, I'm looking forward to this cheesecake that I'm going to have. And it's so super exciting. It's never as exciting as the actual experience of eating the, the cheesecake, but we look forward to it. I, I remember when I, I was quote in the food, you know, eating uh, compulsively, I would be eating thinking about the next bite rather than enjoying the bite that was in my mouth at the time. And that's the dopamine surge that's happening in the brain. And normally that wouldn't happen if I was eating an apple. I, I just don't care about the next bite of the apple because I'm actually enjoying the apple. But uh, when it's a, um, something else like apple crumble or something like that, then I'm moving ahead in the game because the, uh, the concentrated amount of uh, sugar gives me a concentrated amount of dopamine. An apple gives me dopamine too, but not in that high concentration. Um, So that that high concentration, if I live there too much, I neuroadapt. I need that apple crumble just to feel good. And then of course I need two apple crumbles, and then I need three, and then forget the food and the apples, just give me the crumble and whatever. That's all neuroadaption. And that's, it, I don't care if it's the Dalai Lama with super whatever powers of willpower. Um, this is, if you're, if you're an animal, a, a human brain living in this environment, this is what happens. Uh, and how you get out of that is you have to step out of that environment, which is, that's the whole concept of recovery. So that's the dopamine. It's a neurochemical change. Then we have serotonin, which is the neurochemical of um, satisfaction. I have enough. I'm good. I'm grateful. I'm connected. And often people will drink alcohol, for example, or eat sugar because they're come to a party, they're nervous. They're not really comfortable until the booze is flowing and the desserts are out. And then it's like, oh, I'm good. Now I'm good and that's you know that's the serotonin the uh, social uh, lubricant that helps and then endorphin is the uh, neurochemical that uh, in our, our body that numbs and and gives that sense of pleasure and satisfaction that happens after you've eaten a, a full meal um, and uh, sometimes people call that the um, it's, it's not the want it's the like it's the I'm really, it's the joy. I am enjoying this and I can enjoy um, roasted Brussels. That's what I had for lunch, but I'm not having enjoyment of my uh, food when I'm thinking about it ahead of the game, because it's all out of whack. Uh, So these things, and then you get a neuroadaption there too, so that if I don't have My um, ice cream is a great example of where you get a lot of endorphin plus plus dopamine. Um, If I don't have that, I'm going to actually feel uncomfortable, painful. My bad day is going to feel even worse. And I need to have something to, it's like having the shot or the glass of wine at the end of a rough day. Instead, I have a big plate of something at the end of a rough day. And what am I getting there? It's that endorphin fuzzy. It's all warm. It's all okay. And we become neuroadapted to that, because that wouldn't happen with a real plate of Brussels sprouts. And that piece—that's that's where addiction starts. Because once you become neuroadapted and you need more, then you need more just to feel normal. And then when you don't have it, you feel worse. That's how that starts. It's entirely. Um, related and a consequence of the food it's just that some people um me possibly you are more inclined because you have a history you mentioned of other addictions so you're already primed for the food because it started somewhere else i mean that addiction of dopamine and endorphin and uh, uh, um, serotonin got started somewhere else it's not just sitting fallow it's waiting for the next thing to come on the scene which in your case then was sugar after your cigarettes and whatnot yeah. Yeah. In my in my case is
0: dopamine. So after after I read I've read your book, I have realized that I have addiction. I'm addicted to dopamine. Yeah. So anything yeah. what gives me dopamine, that's that's what I right. require. And if yeah. I don't have it, I get stressed, I get grumpy, my mood gets affected. And so get bored, if I didn't exactly, oh, I'll get bored. Bored. yeah, absolutely. I'm just i I just need that excitement. And I yeah. think that's why um that's why um I was addicted to drugs a long time ago. Yeah. But um, what I want to say over here is that um, when those when dopamine, serotonin and um, endorphin is balanced, yeah, then addiction
1: doesn't exist. Correct. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So if you can get out of that circuit, out of that um, uh, loop, you know, of. I, I need more to feel normal. Well, if I don't have more, then I won't feel normal. In fact, I'll feel bad. If you can get out of that loop because you're gonna feel bad. Uh, and that will take, if you actually stop it, if you stop the sugar, like just like you quit the cigarettes. I mean, having one or two less a day, it just, it just prolongs the agony. If you can just stop the sugar, stop the whatever it is, it takes about three or four weeks to kind of reclimatize, re-adapt um, uh, uh, the brain. A- it never goes back to normal but at least you're out of that loop and then uh if you start to do the balancing things like just have dopamine where it fits in nature like you are now instead of uh, hitting a crack pipe you're doing a podcast like that's exciting that's nerve-wracking but it's not that kind of nerve-wracking that uh somebody who's using a stimulant would have right um uh so uh, if you find the natural ways, uh, and if you're somebody who's inclined to be dopamine, you might actually want to go out and, you know, do some kind of crazy uh, jumping off of mountains or mountain climbing or something like that. That's not that I wouldn't want to do that. But, you know, that's the person who would do that because they but it's still natural. Um, and if you can find that nature has a very nice way of keeping things balanced. And if you just follow that, it's just like, you know, if somebody says, well, what do I eat? Just eat real food and the balancing is already built in. Now, if you're an addict, you've already been way on this extreme of just eating the apple, apple crumbles or just uh, uh, drinking too much and all that kind of stuff, you have to be careful because we have, it with addiction, um, memories now that are um, very potent. And the memories, we call it euphoric recall, um, oh, my God, I smell that cheesecake, and I really miss that, even though I haven't had it for a year. Uh, If the moment I smell it, I'm thinking about it. Like, that's something that somebody who hasn't had that problem, they're just going to go, yeah, it smells like cheesecake, so what? Um, Like, we have to live with a memory. And uh, a lot of addiction work is recognizing this is a chronic condition. Um, As long as I'm not eating that stuff, I'm okay. But I have to be careful not to let myself talk myself into I'm okay. I've been okay. So now I can have a piece of cake, you know, a little bit on the weekend. It's my birthday. Uh, even though I haven't for a year, I'll have one once a year for my birthday. That's, that's a, uh, an addict cannot do that. They simply cannot do that.
0: Can we talk about the um, sugar addiction before we dive into the spiritual connection?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so we know that sugar is addictive. We know yeah. that sugar is drug Yes. we know that sugar supplies us with these serotonin and endorphins and dopamine and dopamine. It gets us yeah. high. We know it affects yeah. our mood. We know it's cause of cancer.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, We know all this. Why do you still have a sugar everywhere in? Yeah. Why does it still exist everywhere? Or why, why does, does it, 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 why do we give it to children? Do you know what? I know you have this, you have this Facebook page and it was, it was so funny because when I went through your Facebook page, I came across this comment and it was this woman. She said, She said, I know, um, I know sugar is a drug. I know sugar is very similar to cocaine.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But I got asked from school to make my daughter cupcakes or something. I don't know, something. So why do we give our children? Why do I get asked to give my child a drug? So I I found it, it was very
1: nicely worded. Yes, should, yes. Yeah. It's because, I mean, that's the reason why podcasts like this are so important. And when people ask me to speak, I, want, I really want to, um, uh, be, um, because uh, until we recognize uh, that sugar is as, as, as evil, as problematic, even more problematic than other drugs, um we're we're just going to go add you know that's just Vera you know that's just Barbara you know whatever um but we say no it's not and and the fact that we're giving it to kids we're even letting kids choose like I hear some people who are trying to be very fair say well I'll explain this to my child and I'll let them decide well they're not of course they're I mean they're they're young young brains are you know sugar is actually and the promise of energy dense, potent food. And the brain wants that because it's growing. It's a growing brain, but luckily my growing brain I'm older than you, uh, was lived in an environment where that sugar wasn't as plentiful as now. I, I simply don't need what's available now. So, so we have to uh, put the, the curbs on. But is it the sugar industry? Is it at, the sugar industry does not win with this message? Uh, they want they want the kid to make the choice. They want the mom to make the choice and the mom will break down if the kid screams in the in the uh, um, you know grocery lineup to say, okay, take it, because I can't stand the screaming. Um, uh, So it, and, you know, why is it there in the first place in the grocery lineup as you're waiting to pay cash? That's an intentional thing. So, you know, it's it's the sugar pushers. The, these indus, the industry are pushers. They're just like the uh, person who's quit um, their cocaine habit. And then they have their dealer call and say, I'll just give you a little bit for free. Come on, one more time. Do one for the road. Uh, and uh, then they're back again. I mean, it's uh, uh, until we recognize how potent this is. I'm not saying that they're truly evil. I think that there is a um, selected ignorance that's happening amongst the sugar industry and also uh, to some degree in the public. Because I've had people say, I can't say no to my grandmother. She's gonna make me a loaf of bread. I can't, she made it for me. How am I gonna say no? Well, if she gave you a, a, a you know a, a pipe full of opium, you'd say, excuse me, no, but you know, we don't see that. We have to change the mindset, and the only way we're going to do that is to have conversations like this. Absolutely.
0: Also, yeah. when it comes to children, um, the sugar makes them feel better. So, when a yeah. child when a child gets hurt or something, and you give them a sugar or sugary snack. It's a, a pain it, relief. It's a pain relief. Thank you very much for that word. Yeah.
1: That's that that's that's the endorphin effect. In fact, uh, I I'm I'm not Jewish, so I actually have not seen this, but I've been told that you give the kids sugar before when they're having a circumcision, like if they're at a certain age, not not if they're older, but if they're like under the year of whatever it is two years or one year, or whenever it is that that's done, um, you give a little bit of sugar because it has an endorphin effect. The, the kid has not at that point had enough sugar that they've habituated um, so that that little bit of sugar is it works like a bit of a, like a Percocet or, a, or some kind of minor opiate.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So most of the population is addicted to sugar because it's been given to us since we were little.
1: I think that the older, like uh, the older, um, the more recent children um, are, are uh, much more addicted than my generation wise and certainly my grandparents generation I think it's just getting worse and uh, you know you mentioned children and that's the part where I get you know very upset because there they are relying on us adults to um, train them and we've got this permission around sugar that's a very bad match and we are literally seeing kids now um, getting diabetes in their teens and in their 20s, obesity, uh, 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 premature uh, um, uh, developments like, you know, in my age, I'm sorry, I guess I'm getting older. This, I seem to be saying this a lot. You know, uh, young women had puberty in the age of 13, 14. Now it's like 10, 11. And that's all thanks to the food that we're eating. Uh, so I, it, it really worries me. And then, of course, the addiction piece. You know, what, 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 we're calling that attention deficit disorder. We're calling that all sorts of names that I would really like to see a nutritional focus first before we reach for the medication.
0: Yes, and also we have the hyperglycemia. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. Yeah, yeah. And 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 very um a very high risk of a diabetes too in a children and most of the population, yes. and that it comes to obesity, um, which leads to depressions and all that kind of stuff. So that is a yes. kind of a vicious circle. So now we have yeah. all this in front of us. There has been studies done, there have been incredible people like you writing all those books. Why is nothing happening? Oh,
1: <laughs> Well,
0: actually, that's just personal
1: opinion. I just want yeah. to hear from you. You know, actually, the, the, the good news is something is happening. Like, But it's, it's a slow process. It's kind of like um, if you look at the day in the life of, um, it doesn't look like much is happening. But, you know, in the tobacco story, uh, even in the uh, um, um, opiate story, you know, with the, uh, you know, the opiate crisis where everybody's dying now because of the fentanyl. Uh, I mean, that kind of... Uh, um, uh, opiate crisis started in the 90s and now it's 2020, not much has happened, but actually a lot has happened. You know, People are starting to respond to that now. The, the, the tobacco uh, um, awareness of cancer and the whole fight with the food industry, or pardon me, the tobacco industry, which by the way, moved into the food industry, we're having the same battle. I mean, how long did that take 30 40 years, but a big change happened. I I know more people now who have quit smoking than who smoke. In fact, I now go Oh, you still smoke with surprise. One day, we're going to have people eating their dessert outside on the deck, rather than inside. You know, if you want that stuff, you can go outside and eat it. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that day, but it's, it's, it, it, we're not there yet. Uh, but the fact that more people are, are talking about this, um, there's more, uh, you know, like uh, Robert Lustig and Gary Tobes, there's people out there, journalists um, uh, who are writing about this. I, I don't, I don't think we're at the tipping point yet, but we almost are. And then we're going to start seeing, uh, I mean, the next step is legislation and whatnot. It's not happening yet, but we're talking about it. And that's a big difference than five years ago.
0: Yeah. So this, this also, is one,
1: you know, we need the larger picture to keep us to keep holding on to hope. Yeah. Also, like
0: the sugary drinks has been removed from UK schools and all that kind of stuff. So no, there is definitely changes happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, okay. So, how do we overcome the addiction?
1: Well. Yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, the, the, the first fundamental thing, and people don't like to hear this is you have to identify what the trigger food is. And that is definitely going to be or whatever the trigger is, whether it's cigarettes or, or whatever. But in this case, food, it's going to be sugar, you got to stop the sugar and people will all um, who are struggling with this will say, how about we can just cut it down? And no, you can't, you're just prolonging the agony. Um, uh, it's just so much easier. And believe me, it's easy. It is easy for those. of you who are listening going i don't think i can do this for three or four weeks you will feel that way and then you it will be like oh my god i can't believe how easy it is i haven't eaten sugar for more than 15 years and i don't miss it it's like good but initially it was like oh my god i don't know how i can do this so so abstinence of the trigger food sugar and oftentimes I'm going to say if you really want to be clean, uh, just take out processed foods of any or processed carbs of any kind. Because a lot of people say it's not sugar addiction, it's processed carb addiction. Um, you can still eat apples, you can still eat broccoli. If you want to go keto, which is really cutting down your carbs, you can do that too, but you don't have to. Just, but stop the offending drug, which is sugar and processed uh, carbs. Then, what we said earlier, connection. Um, because what are we actually doing? We're filling something. I mean, sugar food is an emotional bomb. It's a sooth, but what are we soothing? We're soothing, you know. What, what I know for myself, and I'm going to imagine a lot of people here, uh, especially during COVID, are thinking, you know, I, it's okay. I don't want to socialize. I'd rather be at home watching Netflix with my tub of ice cream and my big whatever it is that I've baked. I'm good. I'm independent, I'm fine, I'm good until the next morning when I hate myself. But then I'll buy another tub of whatever it is and watch the next show. Uh, but when you stop that, I mean, we are social creatures and uh, we need to fill that space with connection. And just like the other three or four weeks, and um, what felt like maybe an intrusion, uh, you know, a bit of social phobia, I don't know what to say. Once you start letting people in and letting connection in, it is so much more filling and sweet than real sweet. And there's no hangover later. How
0: about things like now is very popular? So it's naked bars. So they is like fruit, dry fruit with nuts. Um, so would you say that that is very high on sugar as well? And it is not beneficial?
1: well uh so the thing is is that nature um has made things so that that they have their own curb um so dried fruit is better than processed candy for sure but it's it it, i mean and it's still got its fiber so you're still eating the fiber like juice is worse because you've taken the the fiber out and you've taken um uh you've enabled um you know instead of being only able to eat two oranges, you're eating 10 in the in the, in the juice. If you do dried, um, you're taking out the, the the fluid so that, you know, the, it's the fluid and the fiber in the skin that actually um, make it so that you can only really eat two apples at most. And you don't want that much because apple has fructose in it. The, the brain does not process fructose. It doesn't fill you up. It just most of the liver and puts fat what we call visceral obesity fat on your belly and in other places that you don't want um, so you want to only have a certain amount of that and the natural product does that if you have dried fruit and it is equivalent so that would only be like a less than half of a handful for the day and people will you know take tons of that stuff so i i would actually say eat the real stuff and uh, i'm i'm actually fine with nuts if you can manage them some people find that um if they eat nuts cashews or peanuts they'll eat the whole thing but if you can have just a few uh and a little bit of fruit i prefer the real thing it's fine thank yeah.
0: you um okay can we go back to the community now what you were yes. saying how important yes. the community is and what can we gain from a community
1: Well, the the community is what gives us mainly our serotonin. So the opposite of addiction is connection. The opposite of addiction, addiction is dopamine overload. That's what we were talking about earlier. Um, And uh, as a result, if you have this overload, you're going to have to really beef up, or it's a funny word to use here, you're going to have to really uh, bolster up the serotonin, because you've got you've got an overload of dopamine, you kind of almost want like, the, it's sort of like dopamine is the uh, want and serotonin is the have. And so if you've got a high want, you want to have a high have to kind of balance it off. And uh, so that will be connection, but it has to be good connection, like one on one, we're listening to each other and connecting not just uh you know we're in the same room not talking or uh meetings like 12 uh, step meetings or if you have a support group somewhere uh and you're participating in that so you're it may feel in some cases false um a false community a a, a, a uh I don't know I said I me mean, false like a, a forced community like you go to church and there's a lot of people you would not normally not talk to or a aa meeting and you wouldn't normally talk to them but it's nevertheless it's um, uh, a bolstered up connection of, um, of serotonin before COVID I would say to people if you're really shy then you know there were coffee shops that you could go to and you just sit with your computer uh, even just being in a room full of people is better than being in your own room by yourself we're social animals we need to be with we need to feel body feel this I'm really worried about COVID because we're, this isolation is not good for us not good
0: yeah, especially some people are working from home, aren't they? And they're saying, oh, I'm loving this life. This is brilliant. I don't want to go back, back yeah. to work. But I don't think yeah. it's going to happen. I think people eventually will go back.
1: Yeah, because we're social animals. And if they're loving this life, I want to ask them, for how long are they going to love the life? And if they love it for a long time, I, okay, maybe I'm, I'm biased here, but I'm going to say, can I see what you're eating? Are you Are you starting to get your serotonin need that you would get from your contact now through a drug, you know? Are you getting it some other way? Because we we need this stuff. Like we need it. This is how we're built. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's talk about the spiritual connection. Yeah, yeah. So the spiritual connection is the larger picture. Um, and uh, the thing about the spiritual connection is, uh, I, I mean. You know, I think it, it kind of answers all of the above the dopamine, serotonin and endorphins, but if nothing else, it will give us our endorphins, you know, our sense of meaning, our sense of joy, our sense of, I have to suffer the trials of life. Um, uh. The only way I can do that if, is is if I can um, somehow make my suffering meaningful. Maybe by telling other people, like we're doing here, you know, sharing our own story so others can relate. That's that's a kind of spiritual act, and uh, it makes my pain and your pain meaningful. That's 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 an endorphin. The just the sense of joy in things. Like, why do human animals have joy? I don't know if you've uh, been introduced uh, to the concept of uh, peak experiences through Abraham Maslow, um, the hierarchy of needs, you know, he talks about peak experiences. That's the same thing that we're talking about. Uh, You know, we need a few of those in a lifetime to keep us going. You know, it was the one day when I, you know, the, the... the skies opened up and I could feel connected with God and everything. I mean, just, it's just the day, one day that that happened, maybe in childhood or when you're in love or something like that. And you remember that and that gets you through the hard times. And, um, well, that's, yeah, that's, uh, we need that. So we have to build that in.
0: And I think, yeah. I think there is, I think there is a connection which is lost what we had within ourselves yeah something what you have when you were little and you know you know yourself very well right and then you're going uh, going to school and you're meeting friends and you kind of build building up your social skills and you're kind of going further and further and further away from yourself yes and then you're looking for things so Mm -hmm. you reach out for addictions because they will kind of fill those holes in
1: yes that's right I
0: think it's the all the way around does it make sense
1: yeah yeah, it's like, ab- we need to go backwards to kind of fix it. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Yeah. And yes, and it, it doesn't really matter how that's done. Um, although there's some features about spiritual, a spiritual practice that are um, common amongst all of the different spiritual practices. Um, and, and, you know, one of them is connection and community, you know, whether it's Salvation Army or it's, uh, I, even the Moonies, I don't care, or, or, or the nuns, like they, you know, have the same common outfit, a, a declared common doctrine, a de- a, AA is the same thing, we, you know, you have the 12 steps, have ways to identify with your stories, um, something that connects, that, that's a, the serotonin piece, and in all of those, there's always a sense of mission, or a sense of meaningfulness, I want to help others, and that's the endorphin piece, uh, th- that's really crucial. And you'll see that a lot of spiritual programs have that. They have the connection. They have the sense of meaning and purpose. And then the other thing is that sense of, uh, um, you were kind of alluding to this with, with children, that sense of the, here, the, the, the joy of just the here and now, you know, um, and that appreciation. Well, like we started, what, what do you appreciate today? Like that appreciation in the moment is also fundamental in all spiritual practices and we have to have that too that appreciation is um serotonin it's incredible how everything is connected right yeah yeah that's right and we need it we need it as creatures as animals i mean why is it there in the first place uh, other than to serve us and you know we live in a, a society where things have been so um torn apart there's little connection um it, things are becoming more and more divided, uh, which makes is, works against serotonin. The only way we get joy is through substances. It's yeah, it's, we have to find a way to bring it back. And I'm always encouraged when I hear somebody, um, when they put down their drug, say that they've got connection and a sense of purpose. Like, I think they're going to make it. They're going to mm-hmm. make it. It's the but- ones that say, I don't know that I worry about. That's why I love your book because it's very everything
0: what we just talked about. Everything is just very well explained. Is very well presented.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: It was. Um, I don't know what chapter it was, but you were talking about. Um, it was like you were asking you asking those questions. Um, are you an addict? Uh huh. And then yeah. and then a question goes like and I was just reading question. Every single question. Ah. I think it was about the food addiction. Every single question yeah. are answered with yes. Yeah, and then wow. I started laughing, and uh-huh. and then he says um, something like, "If you answered more than three questions, oh, or sorry. something like that," and I'm just thinking, and I started laughing even more. I says, "This is hilarious. Every single question. This is not like less more than three
1: all yeah. of them. All, all of, them, of them. I said, yeah yes.
0: Um, and I recognise this in my friends as well, and I know that they would answer yes as well. So it's so important yeah. for. It everybody to get hold on to this yes. information and especially yes. when you're talking about the serotonin endorphins and um dopamine um you're also talking about the food the certain food gets certain we get um serotonin from certain food endorphin from certain oh, yes. food yes right and right. there is lack of it in different people so
1: yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people are more uh, deficient in some areas and more and are not so much in other areas. And you know, I actually spoke with somebody today, I, I wanted to say to him, you're actually the rare person. I think he was thinking, I was more the rare person, but he was somebody who said, oh, I can just have a little bit and put it down, no problem. And uh, I, I have enough, of, I guess, connection and you know, whatever out there. But I think I don't think that's the norm today. I think that we're all, all a lot of us really suffering uh, in this very alienating society. And, you know, what's what's the solution beyond just my personal, private, you know, abstain and look for connection? It's to foster uh, and, and applaud. Um, you know, so when somebody says, I want to quit, say, good for you. Like, just like we would say when someone wants to quit drinking finally, or they want to stop using smoking cigarettes. We say, good for you. If we could do the same thing when they say, I want to quit sugar and have a quit sugar party, which might be that everyone brings roasted Brussels sprouts <laughs> instead and says, eat, try my tasty food, you know, like, wouldn't that be nice? And have a connection that way. Uh, that's, uh, you know, very celebratory. Can you talk about your addiction and your personal journey? Um, yeah, so m- my story is that, you know, I grew up in the 70s, the 1970s, when uh, the whole concept of food addiction, forget it. That, that, I mean, I didn't even know what addiction. I mean, I knew there was addiction because I, I had seen uh, alcoholism, um, uh, you know, all around me as a, as a teenager. And. Um, But um, I lived in the time when the concept of eating disorder was just getting recognized professionally. You know, we had um, uh, the uh, the Carpenters, there was Karen Carpenter who died of uh, anorexia. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, it it was just starting to be on the scene. And I I just know that uh, when I, as a teenager, decided I wanted to stop drinking, I don't think I was willing to quit smoking cigarettes, but... Uh, It was just like, I'm going to stop and be clean, clean, clean. I also decided, well, I'm going to stop eating junk food. And um, I I discovered that because I didn't really know sugar addiction, I thought I'm going to stop eating all this stuff, but I'm still going to let myself have um, just a few um, jellies, like just a few um, in the day. And even if it means I can't eat other food, I'm going to calorie count in such a way that I can eat these um, and, and knock out everything else because I was like into the eat like 800 calories a day kind of thing but I was eating the most addictive thing and when you're starving it's even more addictive um, and so what ended up happening was before I knew it it was binge purge cycle and and uh, that binge purge cycle which now we would call bulimia or binge eating disorder then people were just starting to use those words um I, I uh, many years later, when I became in, and was 100 pounds more than I am now, still struggling with either uh, eating or using alcohol as well. It's kind of like a mix and match. Um, it just hit me one day when I got into the field of addictions that this this was more like addictive behavior than an eating disorder. You know, it, it, it just it, it looked the same. You know, that whole thing of uh, um, I'm obsessing about it all day even when I'm not eating it it's on my mind ever present and when I decided to um, treat it like an addiction then you know I knew when you stop an addiction you sit through post-acute withdrawal it's a one month process three to four weeks and then it gets better and that's exactly what happened and I was that was reinforced in my story and then I could see it in others that if I had just a little bit because I was good for three months, so now I can have a muffin, then I would eat the whole tray of muffins the next day. So I knew this is an addiction. And um, that was around the same time that I started hearing people write about it, like in the science, and it just carried on from there. Yeah. So so like many of us in the field, uh, I had my own struggle for many years. And then I was just so like gobsmacked when I realized that I could lose 100 pounds and keep it off not yo-yo back and forth, keep it off, um, and no longer obsessed. That's when I thought, I have to say something about this. Uh, And as an addictions doctor, I have those credentials. And then now I'm I'm meeting more and more people, which is where the hope comes in. There is a message that's that's getting spread. How many years did it take you to overcome your addiction? Once I recognized that it was or that I was going to treat it that way, um, I would say... um, it was a process so i would say a year because i quit sugar first like i guess 15 years ago and then um maybe five years later um and that was fine i lost like 80 pounds i felt better but i still kind of obsessed not as much though um and then i thought i'm going to cut out the flour too i'm going to cut out all the i mean i still thought that popcorn was okay and and and, you know um, muffins that were I don't know, low, low carb or something. I don't know. I don't remember what I would eat then. Anyway, when I stopped all of that and just went to um, the veggies and and grains, that made a big difference. And then about six years ago, because I became menopausal um, I decided I'm going to cut out the grains. So this is a process. Not everybody has to go that far, but, so I wasn't eating sugar. I wasn't eating flour. And then I cut out all the grains. So that's no more oatmeal. That's no more quinoa. And that just made things even better. So I guess the long answer is it took 15 years, but it really did. I noticed the difference in a year or less. Like so
0: we, what, what do you eat now?
1: Um, I eat, um, I eat, I have some fruit, so I have some blueberries in the morning. Uh, I, I do eat yogurt. I'm not a vegan. Um, um, not very much. Like I, I portion out what I eat. Um, so I eat a bit of yogurt, I have a tiny bit of chicken, like maybe two ounces in a day, not very much. It, mainly my, my protein is uh, dairy mainly. And I eat a lot of vegetables. Um, so I eat a lot of cauliflower, I eat a lot of Brussels sprouts, lettuce, uh, tomatoes, that stuff. I need an experience, any hunger? Um, no, the only time I experience hunger is in the morning after the, the fruit um and i so i've cut down that uh, and uh, the only reason why i so i would actually like not to eat the fruit i don't experience hunger between my meals with the exception of what i call appropriate hunger so if it's been four hours uh I, i'm i'm not somebody who's fat loading like a keto a person who follows keto will eat a lot of fat so that they're not hungry at all i'm not doing that um I'm, so that by hour four or five, I'm hungry, but it's appropriate. It's not starving crazy. It just like at, at the, by the time it's dinner time, I'm hungry, but not like crazy. I, I can wait an hour or two if I had to. Um, time I get actually hungry is in, after breakfast um, with the fruit. And I would not eat the fruit except that I belong to a program where they encourage fruit. And the support that I get from the program is worth that little bit of hunger. If you know what I mean. What are your thoughts on honey? Uh, honey is is fruit. Uh, pardon me, is fructose. So it's uh, um, in nature. Honey would come from the bee hive, and the bear that scoops out is not in that. Be high for very long. I'm just thinking about um, molasses, you know, in the tree or whatever. Like if it's in its natural element, you would get very little. But when you squirt it in, it's 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 too it's far too condensed. So when we say no sugar, we also mean no honey, no maple syrup. Um, and there's even the question about stevia. Like you know, it's it's a sweetener. It's a natural sweetener. Some people can do it, but others can't it's yeah anyway it's it's got to do with it's just simply too much fructose
0: and how about the carrot syrup are you familiar with carrot syrup because that is um advice for um people who suffers from diabetes
1: uh it's well you know it's it's how is that different than corn syrup which is high fructose corn syrup it's it's a condensed i know because carrots are you know it's like beets you know they they have natural sugars in them but they're eat the carrots in the carrots if you take in the syrup, you're now extracting the fructose from the carrot, and now you've made what is a intoxicant to a toxin. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. In- intoxicant meaning oh, I love these carrots; they're so sweet. When you roast them, they're nice too. It's actually now a uh, a drug. It's 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 an a, a potentiated.
0: You know when you were talking about the um, what you what you are eating now and what you have stopped eating. Do you know what yeah. kept coming to my mind? What I wanted to ask you. But what makes you happy constantly? Uh-huh. My question What makes you happy? It's another confirmation of a food addiction, but yeah. it's just it's, it's funny because I'm just thinking, What well, I how how can I how do you get happy
1: if you don't? But, but you know what?
0: How do you get happy?
1: <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, is this is this is a phrase that I love hunger is the best chef. Uh, or the best sauce, like when, when if I'm appropriately hunger, hungry, and I'm not, I don't have the expectation of something like a, a cheesecake or some kind of cake or something, because I haven't had it for so long. Um, I, I, I can't tell you how much pleasure I get from roasted Brussels sprouts, like they're just amazing. You know, my partner made it and I just kept saying, Oh, my God, they're so good. The crisp and the roast, they're wonderful. And, and that's how I used to talk about cheesecake. Like, how did you make this wonderful cheesecake? Like, you're, you're, it's like they say salt. If you don't have salt, then you, you can, your taste buds adjust. You will adjust so that that simple pleasure of a ripe um, apricot is like, it's like heaven like it really is and and the thing is is when you have that cheesecake i'm just saying that example because that was one of my favorite things at the end you kind of feel like oh i'm kind of dizzy or it's too much or i feel sick none of that happens so you get the pleasure of these things without knowing knowing that you're not going to have the uh uh un, unhappy consequence later thank you're just you. going to have to believe me on that one <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much yeah.
0: Thank you. Um, so my last question for you is where can listeners find you
1: and get in contact with you? Well, okay. Thank you. So I have my book, uh, food junkies, um, a recovery from food addiction, which you can get on Amazon and, uh, please do. Um, I have a website that's called addictionsunplugged.com. I have my Facebook group, which I love people to uh, join on. Uh, it's of course free and that's called I'm sweet enough sugar free for life. um, and uh we have a new podcast that's also called food junkies um uh i think it's just called food junkies maybe recovery from food addiction uh and that's on itunes and spotify so there's lots of ways you can get me or find out more
0: thank you for listening i hope you have enjoyed this episode and that you have gained a lot of information as i have just launched this podcast i have decided to give two lucky listeners free psychic reading each month for the period of next three months These readings will be a combination of a tarot and a psychic channeling. To enter, all you need to do is leave a review in the iTunes store, take a screenshot of it, send it to me on barbaramayshow at gmail.com, which is B-A-R-B-R-A-M-A-Y-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. As you may already know, um, reviews are very important for podcasts and they will help podcasts to expand and direct the important topics discussed to the appropriate audience. At the end of every month, I will announce the winner on my Instagram, which is at The Barbara May Show. So keep your eyes peeled and I cannot wait to see you on the
1: next episode.